The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Have you ever gotten a countdown to start a podcast, and at that same moment, you suddenly thought, I'm going to sneeze? No. Welcome to the Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast. Season 2, Episode 17, Marty Gold here with Spirited Kenny, and I'll try not to sneeze into the microphone or anywhere else. And the real Just question like, is, uh, uh, like, did he really sneeze, or did we edit it out, or did he never see sneeze? I haven't sneezed yet, but you started the countdown, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, no. Here we go. Uh, not quite, uh, but close. Uh, welcome. Uh, many new listeners. Uh, Kenny, I didn't divulge this to you uh, in our brief uh, pregame warm-up uh, uh, chat, but last week's edition of the podcast um, is has moved up even all day Sunday as we get ready to record and oh, yeah. is now the second most podcast of all time. Oh, nice. That's good. Behind yeah. only Glenn Murray should come to the Caledon. Glenn Murray and will be clean. and will be overtaking uh, will be overtaking that episode to become our most listened to podcast. And as well, the YouTube video has had really good numbers. Uh, and so I know there's a substantial audience. Some of you are are new to to what I do, what we do, the nature of citizen journalism. And I welcome you. Uh, we're going to have more information about the uh, controversy in St. Boniface, uh, startling information that I put together over the course of the early part of last week. Uh, and uh, not only do we do we welcome you, um, but we're encouraging you to share the podcast, share the episode descriptions, an easy way to read what's going on uh, with your with everybody, your friends, your neighbors, people in other neighborhoods, because uh, the the kinds of chess games, the way the pieces move around the board politically, uh, this is what goes on in in any Winnipeg neighborhood. And when you hear what's going on in St. Boniface, I know that anybody with half a brain is going to say, oh, geez, I don't want that here. Because exactly. nobody, nobody will, I don't think. Um, but but we've gotten really positive feedback. Some of it I'll be actually um, going into, Kenny and I will be going into in this podcast, uh, some of the feedback we received online from the various Facebook groups to which our video, the video version of the podcast, just to explain, in particular, we've honed in on the civics part, This uh, the the moving on Marion plan, bike lanes pl- uh, that, that pop out of nowhere and where nobody gets told about it. Uh, and so we've been uh, having videos produced to illustrate uh, those issues. And that's the videos I talk about. It's on our YouTube channel. Links will be in the description. Share, share away. And uh, a reminder that uh, we we are able to do this work because of the donations, contributions, support uh, of uh, listeners like yourself, of uh, people that, l- that live in Winnipeg, generally Winnipeg. Sometimes there's some... Uh, people nationally that appreciate some of the other work we do. Uh, but this is very locally focused and your financial support uh, uh, and it has ranged in all sorts of numbers in the past from $1,000 down to $10. It all goes towards a worthy cause, which is keeping Winnipeg informed of, uh, and and countering the narrative that is uh, just um, repeated almost without question uh, in every instance by the mainstream media. You've seen absolutely zero media coverage. All that Trudeau going to all those all those newsrooms, CTV, CBC, Global Free Press, all those newsrooms, they all get federal subsidies one way or the other. Not one word about the potential for grave damage to the St. Boniface 
uh, neighborhood to Norwood uh, because of this plan. That's why we're here. Your support makes that makes it happen, and your support will make more of it happen as we roll on towards the provincial election. We'll have provincial election coverage in the second segment. Crime Court's public safety, as usual, an incident involving a taxi cab, a subject always near and dear to my heart. Uh, and uh, we've got taxi cabs and buses and uh, the return of one of our old standards. I, I suppose if we in the back in the day, Kenny, we would have invented a meme about level five car thieves. Oh, for sure. Some sort and, of GTA. Uh, some, some sort of reference from GTA, probably something level five thief. Yeah. And so we're going to be having that in the crime course, public safety update. Uh, the Great Canadian Talk Show is sponsored by uh, Midpoint Auto. Uh, who came on board last week? You'll uh, you'll hear a commercial spot for them uh, uh, between the this part of the podcast and the, the the second part going to the provincial election coverage. I'll be able to talk more about them later. There, uh, the 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 idea is simple. If you're in the market for a new car, tr- new or used uh, car, truck, van, SUV, and they have anything with a with a motor, an engine, a boat, uh, that's the spot where you can uh, can get hooked up. And if you give them the promo code. I'll tell you now, T-A-L-K, talk. How easy is that? Uh, that'll that'll let them know that you have been directed uh, by us over here, over to them over there. You'll get the details later in the episode. Very glad to have them uh, aboard. And I actually, I just want to mention that, uh, Kenny, that I sent the, the, audio, the audio spot. I sent it to the guy who taught me the car business in Los Angeles, my former tag team partner, Dirty Dan Denton. And he was effusive in his praise. Oh, nice. Very nice. For, for how that spot was delivered, especially the fact I was able to do it in one take, just like the old days when we do live radio in Southern California on the Hispanic stations. I get introduced and understand a word they said about me. I talk all about the car dealers and the car sale that we were conducting at the, you know, the the Indio Fairgrounds or wherever. And uh, amazing, it's like riding a bicycle, learning. How, you know, once you learn how to do a, a good commercial spot for car dealerships, you never forget the uh, the important phrases. Like save now, come on down, oh, come on right, down, sorry. you yeah. betcha. <laughs> well, following, uh, let me try it this way. Following our podcast at the end of March, St. B. Bike Lane planned double crosses bank and bike lobby, uh, where even the bike lobby complained that the map that was put out at the open house uh, was misleading compared to the actual plans the city has, plans that they have not divulged to plenty of people who should be knowing, which I'll explain in a moment. Uh, Following uh, that um, episode, I continued my investigation. I did something that modern-day reporters are loath to do, work. And thusly, I put on my walking shoes, and I proceeded down Tashay. Uh, and I canvassed once uh, uh, once again a little bit more the uh, neighborhood between uh, the the stretch of Marion, rather, uh, in the Norwood neighborhood. Uh, there's a few residences there. I haven't touched on that part yet and, and won't really in this episode. Took a, uh, a walk down. And that was after a conversation I had with uh, somebody from an organization in the neighborhood. I was armed with a little more insight into what has been going on. Uh, and then I took that information down to some of the business I had already seen and met with and uh, a few others that were added to the uh, to the fun and games, I guess, the way to put it. Uh, and when you take a walk through that neighborhood, 
um, you're seeing you're you're seeing a, a a really great mix of businesses, and this is just in the one block stretch from uh, Tache, the road that leads you to the hospital or from the hospital, right over to St. Mary's Road. Yeah. Uh, or to uh, uh, between there and Kenny Street, uh, and you'll see um, a sign shop, right? Yeah, uh, there's a, a, a hair salon. I have not been able to speak with them yet, but uh, my timing has been very bad to get them before they're they're gone for the day. But there are residences upstairs. There's Spice World is there. Uh, there's uh, uh, artists, uh, what I'll call artist studios. It's art therapy there. I spoke. I was able to speak with someone there. I wasn't able to speak. There's a few dental. I think they're dental offices, medical offices, a little further down on the south side of Marion towards Traverse. Wasn't able to get in with them. You can see uh, if you're w- watching the video, you'll see the just the nature of the streetscape uh, and the kinds of uh, of enterprises and and businesses and even some of those businesses. They're not just storefronts. Uh, they're um, th- they'll be small office buildings. Uh, one has a tattoo studio, for instance, downstairs, Conspicuous Inc., which I didn't know was there because I, I I don't have any tattoos on my thing, so I wouldn't pay attention. But people who are into that that they can get that service right in the right in their own neighborhood if they uh, live somewhere um, somewhere around the St. Boniface Hospital. Uh, very convenient. There's a, there's a, a a dance studio I think um, that was closed because of the holidays. I've been able to speak with them. Uh, it's just a sample of the businesses, but I was able to speak with many, many others, financial services, co- uh, uh, company, florist, etc., <clears throat> antique shop. Many of them listened to last week's podcast. I uh, sent it to them. Uh, the, uh, not just the podcast, but uh, again, this, the, the video illustration, the YouTube video. They were very concerned, to say the least. And so now I have a tally, a bit of a tally sheet. It's uh, nine businesses had no idea they were losing their parking. It's kind of nine and a half. And one of them, I haven't talked to the owners yet, but the person who mans the front desk that is there every day looking out a window on a Marion, so clearly a well-informed individual, she had not heard about it, had no idea there was going to be a bike lane, no idea there was a loss of parking. One of these individuals, uh, these businesses, one knew about the bike lane proposed for Marion. The rest of them, I'll go, well, you mean Eugenie, where there's already an established Greenway bike path. One business, I've, and I, I, this was from last week. I didn't find anybody else this week. So nine of them, I guess nine and a half, again, had no idea uh, about, nine of them, I guess, had no idea about a plan for an open house. None knew about the loss of parking. A number of them asked, well, what about, uh, uh, what about us, basically? Only one had heard of the Kenny Street Greenway. They asked, well, what about Eugenie in terms of where the bicycle should go instead of Marion? Only one had heard about the Kenny Street Greenway. Why is that important? Because Bike Winnipeg claimed the city put misleading information. I, I'll correct this uh, in a second. Uh, they claimed that the, city, uh, that the city open house had put incorrect information uh, and that the proposal for, uh, for, bike, for uh, bike lanes uh, through the neighborhood are spo- is supposed to go on Kenny Street and it wasn't on the map. So I want to clarify something. I should have done this off the top. I apologize. Uh, I've been saying city staff, and, and I 
am now going to correct that. I, I did not see any clear signage at the open house, and I wasn't looking for it, to be honest. But I didn't take note that, in fact, these weren't city staff, city of Winnipeg staffers. There may have been some there, I guess. Uh, but these were actually representatives of not one but two consulting companies. So now we're back to uh, our old wheelhouse. Consultants and public consultation has once again reared its ugly head in relation to bike lanes and uh, neighborhoods with small businesses, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, the lifeblood of our community. Once again, it's come up. These were two consulting companies involved, one doing the engineering, and I'll explain that later, and then the other one doing the public consultation. Only one of these businesses had heard of the Kenny Street Greenway. None of them had heard about the proposal to put a bike lane on Traverse, take away the parking between Traverse and Goulet, and take that parking away from, among other businesses, Scotiabank and the Dog Loft. There's another uh, uh, canine care facility in that stretch of Marion that I'm talking about, which I didn't, I mean, didn't really realize it was there. But they're there too. And those dog care places, they get a lot of attention, not like from the other businesses, because they see people running in and out with their dogs, the dog got a wash, and they see it. And this is a lot of it is like 10, 15 minute parking turnover. And some of these people will, before they get the dogs, pretty much, I guess, they will go to some of these other stores, whether it's to pick up flowers, pick up spices, pick up an antique, whatever. Four of the businesses I spoke with complained of city roadways, in other words, potholes, poor condition, and the prioritizing of the bike lobby. All of them spoke of how bad this could be moving on Marion for their neighbors, for the neighboring businesses. None of them thought it was right for the other businesses directly affected by loss of parking. By that, I mean, we started looking for using the video. We started looking where these bump outs were so people could see, oh, that they're going to take away parking on the side of Safeway and in front of Dollarama, a little further down the block than this stretch. We started trying to analyze exactly where the parking is going to be lost. But it's being lost around the neighborhood. Even if it's a block up, people, you know, you don't get parking on one block. You go up to the next block, find a spot, walk back, right? That's, that's actually a good thing. Yeah. Four of the businesses spoke about the shortage of parking, and they spoke about special circumstances that increased parking demand such as the dog places and funerals at the Legion. The Legion now no longer has a parking lot because they, they put a, a, a mixed mixed income, I guess would be the term, uh, high rise there. When there's a funeral connected to the Legion, you don't want those people to have to walk very far. Well, normal humans wouldn't want them to walk very far. No. But what's being proposed isn't exactly normal. Now, I repeat, none of them had heard of the Traverse Street bike lanes that are supposed to go on Kenny, according to the city's other plan, as of the end of 2021. And among the people who had not heard of the Traverse Street bike lanes, but who, like myself, learned about it at the open house, is the new executive director of the Norwood Grove Biz, which you would identify as the Biz for St. Boniface. Not Provence, not the other main drag to the north that connects uh, basically to the Forks, okay? But this, uh, this would be, um, you know, the main route in and out, really, of St. Boniface. The executive director of the biz, uh, she's owned a business on Marion near Tache for 12 years. She had no idea of this proposal for the bike lanes on Traverse 
till she saw it at the open house. And yeah. that means, honest to God, Kenny. Wow. And that means that when these consultants said to my face, when I asked, who, who's supporting this? Who wants this? Oh, they said, the biz. That was a lie. And it's not even like a lie that, that you can't, you know, substantiate. You can clearly go to the biz and find out whether they're for it or not. Wow, that's incredible. That's say, incredible. Yes, say what? That's incredible. <laughs> How did we get here? How do we get to this spot? It's the kind of thing, Kenny, we talked about on Kick FM in 2010, leading into the civic election. Assiniboine, Barry, McDermott, Nassau, the flood of emails, the name calling that went on about us at on the floor of city council from, among other people, bike lane advocate, Councillor at the time, Jenny Gerbassi, who I think referred to us as right wing radio or some nonsense. <laughs> if 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 this isn't incompetence, it's almost sinister. I hope this is just plain incompetence, Marty. Well, well, I hang on to that thought. Now, at first, you know, I checked with these businesses and I said, um, did you get any notice from the biz? And they admitted it. I called the biz executive director. I don't want to go too deep into it because she's new. The biz is in a state of disarray. She admits that. And that means what's going on here is dollars to donuts. Somebody's going to say, oh, well, the biz should have this and that. The biz is in disarray. New executive director. I heard a number of not very complimentary things about the previous executive director that sounded very similar to things I heard about a previous executive director over in the Corden Osborne area from a few years ago. So there's something fishy about this whole biz system. I've heard that before. And there's something like, whose side are they on? So maybe the previous executive director told these consultants, oh, yeah, everybody will love it. And then she forgot to tell the businesses that pay the fees that pay their wage. I don't know. Aye, aye, aye. That's scary. So they're trying to rebuild their email list. And I, I was immediately acknowledged when I said, who's responsible to have informed the businesses about the open house? You've raised a good point, I was told. It's like, ooh, wow. <laughs> now, who knows the business in disarray? Who knows there's a new executive director? Well, I can guarantee you damn near everybody on the consulting side dealing with this would know or should have known. But I'll tell you who knows, the people that are on the board of the, of the uh, Nor Norwood Grove biz. And you know who's on that board? Counselor Matt Allard. Oh, he knows that they're in disarray. Matt Allard evidently didn't on his own accord with the budget he is granted by virtue of his office as a, the city councilor for St. Boniface. He evidently did made no attempt to do any outreach. This I've only, and I want you folks to understand, I've only gone to the one block. I haven't gone up to the next block between Kenny and Travers. I haven't gone from Travers to, I guess it's, is it Eugenie next? Technically, there's a light there. And then a De Muron. And I haven't tried to, I haven't figured out how to approach the, the multitude of different businesses, property owners, et cetera, from the bridge, from, you know, from St. Mary's Road to Tashay. I've just done one block. Basically, it seems like 10 businesses, only one knew about the open house, one knew about the bike lanes. Nobody knew about the bike lane, uh, bike lanes on Traverse. It's going to take 24 parking spots in that one location, plus a few more in that area of Marion that we, we can tell automatically, okay? 
only one had heard of the Kenny Street Greenway where bike lanes are supposed to go. Hmm. And the biz director herself had no idea about this goofy, strange, peculiar, oddball idea for Traverse. She didn't know till she went to the open house. And you'll recall that the vice president of the Bank of Nova Scotia, I did not hear back from this week, but uh, I was out of town part, part of the time, that he told me that they had no idea. Was she invited to go to the open house or just heard about she it? Told, interesting you say that. She she said that, you know, she got a late, the way it was described, she got a late email. That's how it was described. So I, I there was a board meeting this past week. This was already on the agenda. She said she would call me on Monday. Uh, we were recording on Sunday. She said she would call me on Monday and, and wants to sit down and talk with me. And she'll tell me what they do and don't know, what their perspectives are. She said herself, she is, I told her, and this is the, one of the big flaws, this, the red flag went up immediately at that open house when I asked how many parking spots are being lost and nobody could say. And I asked her and she doesn't know. So again, when these consultants on behalf of the city of Winnipeg say the biz is in favor of moving on Marion, that is a lie. And Matt Allard is on the biz board, and he should know that. It cannot by any stretch be said that there is support when the executive director doesn't want to see any parking lots and doesn't know how much is being proposed and got a last-minute invitation to the open house and had no idea about the bike lanes on top. I'm losing my breath here. There's so much wrong, and we barely touched on this. Now, what about the community at large? The neighborhood. Well, we heard uh, a few things from people – uh, that are from what was that what became the South St. Boniface catchment area. Uh, and this is really around the Seine River. Happy Land Park goes back to our battle about Happy Land Park uh, uh, on with City Circus on Shaw TV uh, in 2015, 16 and extended in 2016. Again, because of one sided, biased, crooked consultation. I remind everybody, here's some of the comments for people that are going to be facing other changes, and this is going to change traffic flow in and out of their neighborhood, right, going from uh, the, the Norwood Bridge and going down to Lajamodier. Nobody around Marion Street, I was told, supports this moving on Marion project. We believe it's a way to ease the freeway onto us, the Marion Freeway, or bus rapid transit. There's no need for a bicycle lane on Marion. We have a bicycle path on Eugenie from St. Mary's Road to Uville, and then from Uville to Firmer, and you can branch off in two ways on a nice, nice safe path. Clearly, something else is going on. And keep that in mind, folks, because I heard a few other things when I saw the businesses that I'm going to be working on, things that are being hidden from the general public that are part of the bigger, grander, longer-range plan. And so they're trying to incrementally get to where their destination is. All these city bureaucrats and, and, and these uh, these uh, active transportation uh, activists and, and these, these other special interest groups, will you notice the pattern for – over a dozen years, the city of Winnipeg consistently seemed to fail to speak with the businesses and residents that are affected. Now, I sent the video to some of these people in the, the Seine River neighborhood. This neighbor From this neighborhood, hardly anybody showed up to the open house because they held the meeting at Norwood. The idea being that they, this required a meeting in other neighborhoods affected by this and i was also told this week they really should have talked with people off in north st boniface off provence as well because it it's going to affect traffic flow on marion where might some of it go provence 
Now, there was a mention made about one of the Zoom meetings, and it said a consultant, a person from, an employee of blah, 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 Dylan Consultants, and they, they handled the meeting a certain way, which I'll get. We're going to have more about this next week. So I had to make a phone call. Is there a so-and-so? And I phoned Dylan Consulting. Is there a so-and-so by somebody by the name, you know, whatever, that works for you? Oh, no, no. And they put me through to someone else. I said, well, no, that's actually that person uh, was running the open house. And the open house wasn't done by Dylan. They do the, the drawings and the engineering. The open house was done by something called HTFC, not HFC. Because when I first heard, I go, what? Not household, not household finance, no. <laughs> HTFC, Hilderman Thomas Frank Cram. They handled the public consultation. And one individual indicated they were at a meeting for people in Lajamodi who are getting expropriated as part of this bigger plan. That goes down towards, I think, the Dougal side to create a more turning lane. They're taking out a couple of houses. Uh, and there's businesses on um, Marion that I guess because of the bike path, uh, their frontage is going to be affected. The, there's a um, access storage, I think, is there. I think it was access storage and ABC fire. There's another business. Okay. And then the, the, the perspective from that meeting, I don't want to go further into that. Once again, they divided everyone up. So you would not jump down their throats at the same time, the same tactic they used with the Marion freeway that was set to destroy happy land park and set to destroy that neighborhood. The question was brought up. What I don't understand is where were all the business owners I'm really curious if you could find out if the doggy daycare got a letter or the bank. Yeah, yeah. Those are good questions. Now we go to the online comments from these various Facebook groups, in particular the St. Boniface St. Patel group. But there's a few places where we deposited the videos, in particular the whole podcast as well. Uh, but And there's been two, just to be clear. We've had two um, installments on this, the fact-free open house which we now see how fact-free it was. That headline was 100% correct. And every city councillor should be deeply concerned. Starting with Mayor Gillingham, we generally have, you know, not mentioned him too often on this program since his, uh, uh, since his ascension to the, uh, to the big chair. From Scott Gillingham on down, every councillor should be concerned that it turns out that it was no exaggeration and that that open house conducted by... HTFC was fact-free. And Kenny, you know what? We'll, we'll talk more about them next week, the consulting ne consult next week. But uh, I'll, I'll just focus for now on feedback from our viewers yeah, yeah. And, and listeners. I live in Norwood. I'm an avid daily cyclist. I don't think Norwood needs any bike lanes. I usually use the Amiron head south of Marion and Tache Bramanche to head downtown. It's pretty easy to take a road like Dubuque to head west. I think one of the best places we put a bike lane is expanding the Woolsey route all the way to Ullman's Creek and make a connection from downtown to the Moray Street Bridge. That's a bigger picture thing. Uh, sounds sounds like an idea, a worthwhile idea, but nothing I can really assess at this time. But you see this person has, you know, some knowledge of cycling. Yeah. Another comment. Madelard has his own agenda, not a fan. A shop owner in the Happy Land Park region, uh, who we are acquainted with from that uh, battle against the freeway a few years ago, Responded, Madelard did not show up in all three meetings that were prior to last week. All three he was missing from. I would like to know where that where that weasel was at. Now, I don't spring know. Spring break. Spring break. No, this before spring break. Oh, okay. He's warming up for spring break. I don't know which three meetings they are unless they're talking about these consultations. Because this business owner would have been uh, invited 
I'm pretty sure to one of these, if you follow my drift. Yeah. Number of comments, fix our roads, not bike paths. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fix our roads. Just fix the damn roads. For those of us who have no choice but to drive to work, we pay tax as well as you have proper roads to help reduce the maintenance of our vehicles. I should be billing the city, said one person, with my cost repairs for ball joint, tie rods, suspension, lower control arms. A thousand percent a horrible idea. Stop with these bike lanes. Hope not, said one person. Not enough space as it is. Now, there was somebody who chimed in with a comment. Uh, and this was on Facebook. Why do we care what the VP of a bank wants? Scotiabank could reinvest its billions in profits it makes and build itself a city without any bike lanes. Oh, they literally make $23, $24 billion a year. In other words, some lunatic who's crazy enough to attach their name to this Facebook comment. Why do we care what the VP of a bank wants? That because they want? they're a part of the communities. Like every bank is a part of every community it's, it's in. It's where people put their money. It's where businesses start get their first loans to start it, small businesses. Like it's uh, it employs local people. people. Yeah. It's, right. Yeah. They order what? it from local restaurants for customer appreciation day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Maybe they rent parking spots at nearby lots. But I, I, behind people's homes, right? And that also contributes to one way or the other. You think you think that you, you think Domino's Pizza across the street from Scotiabank gets some business from Domino's? Maybe just a bit. You think I, Dairy Whip gets some bit? Mrs. Mike's oh, when it's open exactly. gets some business. Subway, yeah, they would go out there and. Why do we care what the VP of a bank wants? As I told the vice president of the of Scotiabank, even Milburn Drysdale deserves the worst, meanest, snarliest banker twirling his mustache around. Even Milburn Drysdale should not be treated like this and have notice if there's any plan to ask the public to get behind a project so they take away your parking. And this, again, is this divide and conquer mentality of these consulting companies. So the individual um, individuals and the, the businesses themselves through the whole region, they don't want everybody to start comparing notes. And develop a groundswell of opposition to these uh, plans. One one comment cracked me up because I haven't seen this term in so long. This city is so off plumb, it is scary. Off plumb. <laughs> the last time you heard that one? Uh, probably never. I don't think I've ever heard. Uh, I understand what it means, but I don't think I've heard it before. Off plumb. Off plumb. That's that. Uh, you'll have to look it up. It's uh, it's um. It's when you're measuring how level something is or isn't. Oh, okay. And that straight up and down would be um, basically plum, and variations from it would be off plum. Okay, all right. So it's if not you, on the level. No, yes, certainly not on the level. Yes, not on the level. Our elected officials trying to slide one by businesses and others to get a cycling utopia. Now, another comment that was very ins- insightful. It's been Mattelard's pet project. I'm sure I'll enjoy it being covered in snow and ice while I'm idling. How good for the environment, waiting for a train at rush hour. He says he wanted Marion to be a walking area when they reduced the speed limit. So I guess that's what happens, she wrote, when you get someone more dazzled by their legacy than public service. So can you make a note? Next week, we'll talk about the, the biz, what I hear from them. We'll talk about the consultant involved. And we'll talk about Councillor Mattelard as well. Yeah, you, we get to find out what the, when she gets back to you on Monday. Yeah, that's going to be good. 
Comment of the week. This is ridiculous. Businesses are suffering so they can have these unused bike paths. My husband, unfortunately, needed to go to cancer care by HSC. No direct parking, bike lanes galore, not a single bike in sight, but cancer patients hobbling to their unfortunate destination exactly as we predicted. Yeah, that's 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 really a, a sad state of because affairs. Because there's nothing more selfish than the bike lobby and their their their, their eco hysteria. Nothing worse. Now, meanwhile, Madelard completely ignoring that businesses that fund the biz that he's on, that pay the taxes, that pay his wages. That he's supposed to represent. Not only is he ignoring these businesses have been left in the dark. In, in, certainly in the open house process. God knows what went on before they got to the open house. He's been busy yammering on at city council about, among other things, we should spend some money to practice plowing uh, snow down to the pavement. And scraping sidewalks. There's a very low percentage of sidewalks that are in good enough shape to to do that. Otherwise, you're wrecking blades, you're wrecking equipment. Even the public works chair who took over from Allard when he was not found in when he was not found a favorable uh, holdover uh, uh, candidate to be held over by Mayor Gillingham, Janice Loops. The city's been plowing to the pavement for years in downtown and is acutely aware of the process and cost, Matt Allard. You know this, she tweeted at him. Winnipeg yeah. plows 5,000 kilometers of AT network after every snow event. The annual report on snow clearing innovation comes in June. So here he is grandstanding, and even Luke's and Jeff Brawati, too. You, uh, they both like, smacked him for, for, for grandstanding over something that where the city's already has experience. They already have money. You don't need a whole new study. He cares more about pretending that there's viability in plowing sidewalks. sidewalks. Uh, after snow events, uh, after snowfall, then caring about the businesses in his own neighborhood. We got one um, private message uh, that I'll impart. I applaud your incredible fact-based podcast on bike lanes. Parking in St. Boniface is already at a premium. Go get a Marty. And that we shall do. Much more <laughs> about the uh, this whole Moving on Marion Bike lanes, yes or no, all of it. I'm going to do more research this week, a uh, short week because of Good Friday and a few other factors. I'm going to try to get more legwork in, share the existing episodes and the existing videos with people, please. Hey, Marty. Uh, yes, Kenny. Is Go Get a Marty the name of your autobiography? I, I, I have to tell you, <laughs> very unlikely because it's, I really don't remember ever being told this before. Go Get a Marty? I don't remember it. I kind of like it, though. It is. It is. It's a, it's a catchy snappy, term. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will be going to get them. I'm going to be standing up for the neighborhood, standing up for the businesses, standing up for the community. Uh, next week, they'll be more focused on the biz and how they've been ta- evidently been taken advantage of, the consultant, the consulting company, what we know about their history when it comes to public consultation, and uh, a little bit more about Councillor Matt Allard and uh, this whole imbalance between um, uh, the, you know, active transportation in and of itself, safe cycling, it's an idea. But there has to be some balance to this and continually ramming through projects where they don't fit and then trying to justify them after the fact with bogus, cooked, rigged, 
user numbers. And in fact, no, not even any speculation that open house, how many people would use it. That tells you right there that this stinks to high heaven. But again, we're dealing with people that have never run a bricks and mortar business in their lives. So this is a, a weird kind of class warfare as well as everything else. I heard plenty from the businesses involved from people who are not too happy about this and not too happy about the role of their city councilor. We'll have more about that next week. Uh, head off to a break. When we come back, uh, catch up on provincial election polling and uh, some of our own clever insights and opinions. You're listening to the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. The Great Canadian Talk Show podcast is brought to you by Midpoint Auto. Vehicle sales at wholesale pricing. 1.99% financing on new cars. 6.99% financing on great used vehicles. Cars, trucks, vans, SUVs. That's not all. Off-road vehicles, campers, snowmobiles, dirt bikes, even boats. If you're in the market for something with an engine, then that's the place you want to go. Midpointautomotive.ca. The phone number, 833-997-9930. Again, that's 833-997-9930. Midpoint Auto, bad credit approved, good credit rewarded. If you're a listener of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, let them know by giving them the promo code, T-A-L-K, the word talk. That's the promo code, and you're sure to get a great deal from Midpoint Automotive. Welcome back. Part two of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. Uh, And, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, um, if you're looking to get a vehicle or something else with a motor uh, with an engine, I guess the way to put it, then uh, Midpoint Automotive uh, is going to show us some love uh, because of those referrals. And we appreciate that as well. Uh, You can donate through PayPal. Uh, You can email me, martygoldlive at gmail.com. Marty Gold live at gmail.com. I talk too fast sometimes. Did uh, anything April Fool's related happen yesterday, Marty? Um, April Fool's related. Uh, no, I can't. You know what? I, I, I really can't say that I did. Uh, we did a I'll talk about it later. I was out of town with the Gladstone, Manitoba. So, no, nothing, nothing April Fool's uh, related to, to speak of. I can't even think of some practical joke that I played on myself. I was pretty there tired from from the show Friday night and then. Uh, so did why something happen with you? No, no. It, actually, it I think it's a pretty, uh, pretty slow April Fool's thing now. I think not too really many is. people do it anymore. Your kid didn't try to prank you at all. No, no, he wouldn't. No, no. Because he knows better. Well, I just, I just beat him <laughs> up, choke him, push yeah. him down the stairs. You Bart, know. did you call your kid Bart in that in, in situation? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bart. <laughs> yeah, uh, and also, you know, before I forget, for those of you that are, are more recent listeners to the podcast and have carried over into and actually uh, listening to, to things that don't involve bike lanes and businesses in St. Boniface where they're going to be put out of put out of operation because of the uh, the, the shenanigans at City Hall. Um, we've ca- covered all sorts of stories uh, through this podcast series uh and and we've re- continued it we we came back to do the civic election we've continued it because there's a provincial election coming up and so that's going to be our focus we're trying to build some momentum and, and build a you know i i wouldn't call it a war chest these are normal operating expenses uh the the uh i, I want to be able to do as much work as i can uh, in preparing these podcasts and as such it's going to be on civics but a variety of topics new website is coming there's some expense associated with that uh, and uh, and that's why your support is integral. So if you believe that local reporting and you don't get this kind of is, how's the free press missed this story on on what's with what's going on on Marion? How's all these newsrooms missed it? 
Why yeah, don't they, they speak up? They just don't care. Why don't they care about businesses? Speaking Why don't they of, care about, about small businesses? Why don't they speak, care about things? I don't. They care about something, but we don't know what they care about unless they don't yeah. care about anything. A big, big, big separation. Speaking of older big, things that we did, has there sure. been any update on that high school basketball story? The University of we- of Winnipeg Junior Varsity Westman basketball, boys basketball team was involved in an incident with the Gray Academy of uh, Jewish Education, uh, the Jewish high school, f- formerly Joseph Lindsay Collegiate, where I graduated from. This incident happened uh, in February, and the basketball team was disbanded. And thereafter, the literal cone of silence, virtual cone of silence, descended over everybody and everything to do with this. U of W clamming up, basketball officials clamming up, Sport Manitoba officials clamming up, the Jewish Federation clamming up, the Jewish education officials clamming up. Uh, however, we know that there is still a government department investigating, and we have information that that investigation is going to want to find out and know uh, through our sources, confirmation on three or four key important details. And I will be having more about that anti-Semitic. You recall that the media coverage, mainstream media, they couldn't bring themselves to use the word anti-Semitism in a story about something happened between the Jewish high school and the University of Winnipeg. Uh, University of Winnipeg Collegiate. Well, we'll be having a discussion about what is or isn't anti-Semitic when we uh, follow up on that. And that'll be probably next week, might be in two weeks. I'm just waiting to firm up a few things and get an interview with a leading government official with regards to our findings. So, yes, there will be more about that. Well, that's good. Get it. Get there investigating it. It will. Well, somebody, at least somebody in government goes, you know, this stinks. Yeah. Yeah, and smells that it stinks. And it's a very poor reflection on the uh, on the adults involved that they have chosen this path of not wanting anybody to know anything and claiming it's all going to be dealt with quietly and internally and everything will be made right in our community and we should just trust them. Not going to fly. Provincial election coverage. Uh, I, I took note in particular, and Kenny, I think I sent it to you, about the Canadian press story that ran on March 28th. Opinion poll suggests tighter race lead up to fall Manitoba election. Now, we talked about that uh, from a previous poll uh, 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 from a different company than the one they're talking about. But we talked about that, that the gap had narrowed, that basically nobody covered. Now they're kind of having to admit it, but uh, – they admit it, but kind of in a bit of a backhanded way in the way the way they deal with it. The, it's t- the race has tightened a little, according to Probe Research. Mary Agnes Welsh, hoofing it uh, back and forth on Lombard during her lunch hours, taking some time, I guess, to uh, put some pen to paper and and help uh, compose a report that found that 44 percent of the cited respondents said they would support the opposition New Democrats, compared to 38 percent for the governing progressive conservatives. The CP story noting the six-point gap is narrower than the 11-point gap in Probe's last poll in December. So you see how they play, how you can play games with words, because the reality there is the lead has been cut almost in half. But instead, you know, you have a six-point gap, or an 11-point gap, and people get lost. They don't catch the point, which is that the lead has been almost cut in half. Now, CP admitting it based on Probe's numbers. The NDP lead more pronounced inside Winnipeg. The NDP has 53% to 30%. 17%, which is a huge number. Undecided, or would not state a preference. Um, now, this has tightened up 
even from the from the uh, free press story a, a year ago. In early 2022, the poll was 44 to 34. The NDP was up to this is after the departure of Pallister. They were up to from 42 and the Tories were down three from 37. That's what got them to 34. The final Pallister poll was 37. The, the first uh, Stephenson poll was 34. OK. Now, at the time. In Winnipeg, the NDP was polling at 52 percent, the Tories at 23. And what did erstwhile fossil, I mean, political science, scientist of great, you know, emeritus, emeritus uh, standing, Christopher Adams, what did he say? The 29 percent spread, the 29 percent spread between the two parties in Winnipeg is stunning. Hmm. Well, let's look at the now a year ago, 29 points was stunning. What's happened since? The Tories have come up by four points. Wabkadu hasn't moved the needle. The Tories are up by four. The NDP is up by two for the final Pallister poll. The Conservatives are up by one. In Winnipeg, the NDP has 53%. Wabkadu's leadership has brought them up one point in a year. The Tories is 29. The Tories are up six. You don't hear the mainstream media explain it that way, do you? No. Uh, yeah. Like It looks like the PC party is trending up over the past couple of years. And the uh, NDP party is just sort of laying flat, if not sort of having a little little uh, slouch there. Well, they've they've plateaued now. The 29 percent spread between the two parties in Winnipeg is stunning. That's what Christopher Adams said a year ago. Now the spread is 23 percent. I wonder if you would still call that stunning. So after digesting the results, the free press tried to low bridge the progressive conservative government by with blatant editorializing in a story that was typed up by one of their expert scribes. Premier Heather Stephenson's progressive conservative government has narrowed the NDP's lead in polls after delivering tax breaks and big budget spending, but it's unlikely to secure them a victory in the next provincial election. Experts say it's unlikely to secure them a victory. They are up six points in Winnipeg in a year. They're up four points, and the NDP is static. They've narrowed the lead, but it's unlikely to secure them a victory. I mean, mean, this is a a probe research probe. So, I mean, we really don't know (laughs) how reliable it is. The the Tories' three-point jump in the polls, uh, this is a base of pro-poll to pro-poll, is not highly significant, Christopher Adams said. It might just be statistical noise which is basically what you hear from every polling company in Winnipeg anyway, statistical noise. Probe's quarterly survey, now listen to this piece of, of, of business, was conducted at the same time as a, quote, aggressive. This is Scott Mackay uh, 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 providing uh, observations uh, from Probe Research. They did this poll at the same time as an aggressive Manitoba Nurses Union ad campaign with a slogan, vote like your life depends on it. That looks pretty bad for the Tories, you said. Shortly before the provincial uh, the survey period concluded, the NDP promised free birth control if it wins a provincial election. That's a big story. I think it's a positive story for the NDP. You know, it's interesting because I keep seeing Tom Broadbeck in that newspaper claim that people don't like to be bribed with their own money. They don't like, to, they don't like free stuff. Nobody's told Justin Trudeau that. And apparently, um, you know, the the... The pollsters seem to disagree with Tom Broadback. Anyways, there's other mentions in this uh, version of the story. 
the survey showed just 15% of women in Winnipeg would support the Conservatives compared to 47% for the NDP. Now, keep in mind, this is probe research, very far left-wing voter poll, as we saw in the city election. Glenn Murray, 44%, remember that? So these numbers are going to be out to some extent. The Tories polling poorly with women, I have my own theories, uh, why they would be at 15%, though I think that they're in reality higher than that. Uh, but uh, we can get we can get to that another time. Um, other parties, meanwhile, haven't captured the imagination of Manitoba voters. The Green Party with new leader Janine Gibson, they I they weren't yeah, the Green Party wasn't pulled with their new leader. So this doesn't really reflect on Janine Gibson at all. Keystone, Keystone Party not registering a blip. The Liberals, for the first time, are down into single digits. They slipped from 13 percent in December to 9 percent this month. Hmm. Wow. What, what did I good. say? What did I say a podcast or two ago that, uh, with regards to some of the criticisms launched on the provincial scene by the Liberal Party, that uh, their biggest problem is that they simply have failed to connect with voters for like 30 years, and it's evidently continuing. Now, Scott McKay said that the failing support for the Liberals here is like the failing support for the federal Liberal Party. Now, what does Dougal Lamont think, the liberal leader? Well, Tyler Searle, contributing some fine typing for the free press, party leaders say they aren't worried about polls at this point. <laughs> uh, isn't that kind of like their job? <laughs> to worry about the polls? Ah, I'm not going to worry about the polls. No, that's, <laughs> yeah, they don't like you. No one in the polls likes you. So, yeah, why would you worry about that? That's a, a good mentality to have. Yeah, they ask Heather Stephenson, it's not really on my radar, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they ask Wab Canoe, the only poll that matters, guess what, Kenny, is the one that's held on Election Day. Oh. Stealing lines from Gary Dewar. I think it's very clear that everyone in Manitoba wants to change, Canoe said. Everyone in Manitoba wants to change. Wab Canoe is missing an important point. As the Free Press previously explained uh, in a poll, in their polling story, uh, Brian Pallister was seen by many as a, quote, hardline, tight-fisted autocrat. They certainly don't see Heather Stevens that way. So guess what? People have seen the change in the premier's office. And Canoe has flatlined since that time. He also says his party intends to address the cost of living. Now, as for Dougal Lamont, he balked at the probe results. I've never seen a poll like that end up predicting what happened. <laughs> Go get him, Dougie. Go get him. It's it's really important to look at the positions people are taking because that actually tells you what people are going to do in government. Yeah, exactly. Okay, now wait a just wait a second. Lamont said when it comes to the federal liberal party, should have no bearing on what happens to Manitoba liberals. Let me com combine these two statements here. Look at what people's positions are because that tells you what they're going to do in government. The federal party should have no bearing on what happens to Manitoba liberals, except the federal liberal party is thinking why. Because they lie to people. They lie to people about inflation. They lie to people about lowering the cost of living. They've lied to people about the deficit. So they said one thing. They campaigned on another. Dougal Lamont is saying, well, that's those kind of liberals. Not my kind of liberals. We wouldn't do that. What is even a liberal anymore? Most liberals are pro-war and... They're pro-police department, too, now. So, like, what is a liberal even? It's completely flipped the script. Well, the Liberal Party has not been able to define itself, and it's been too far too attached to the hip to Justin Trudeau for Dougal Lamont to credibly say people shouldn't think of them when they think of us. Yeah, and they, they hold, I mean, 
these two entities hold like they hold hands at fundraisers for God's sakes. Now the free press noting the abacus poll in, an abacus poll in February. Why they crammed this in? I'm not quite sure. Uh, conservatives had 30 percent in February. So they couldn't find a more recent poll. The free press. So there's some reason for that. Conservatives had 30 percent in that poll. The Liberals federally 24 percent and the NDP 15 percent. The remaining 30 percent of votes were spread to Canada's other political parties. <laughs> what? The Bloc Québécois and the Green Party and Maxime Bernier's PPC, they would have, that would add up to, no, what? What? Well, that's a a very interesting Canada they portray right there. So it's hard to know what you can and can't believe that you read in the broadsheet. The newspaper of record Manitoba, only Manitobans, concluded Dougal Lamont, get to tell Manitobans what to do. Well, he says that what the federal Liberal Party does should have no bearing what happens to Manitoba Liberals, but that's not quite correct. In fact, there's one issue that has come up just over the course of the weekend where what the federal Liberals do will have a bearing on how the Manitoba Liberals and all Manitoba parties do because the public's going to hold them accountable. The Special Joint Committee on Medical Assistance in Dying put out a number of recommendations and then concluded their work and disbanded. They aren't answering emails. They're done. Recommendation 14 was that the government of Canada undertake consultations with minors on the topic of what they call MAID, assisted suicide, including minors with terminal illnesses, minors with disabilities, minors in the child welfare system, and Indigenous minors. Recommendation 50, the government provide funding through Health Canada and other departments into the views and experiences of minors with respects to MAID. What? A Twitter account, Yukon Strong, saying we need all hands on dick here. Liberals are seeking state murder of welfare and indigenous kids. Now, that may be a bit of a, of a leap, but it certainly seems to be the setup. Why are you asking minors, especially those with disabilities, the child welfare system, they could have a sense of despair? You're asking them, hey, what do you think about assisted suicide? You like it? You don't like it? And I checked the document. This is legit. Jocelyn Berziak uh, had very quickly. On Twitter, she had a strong opinion, immediately tagged the Manitoba NDP, the Conservatives, and the Lamont's Liberal Party. Is our province even considering getting on board with MAID for Manitoba Indigenous kids, kids with disabilities, and, the child wel- and kids in the child welfare system? Fair question, considering the upcoming election. Now, when you read more details from that report and those recommendations, uh, there's other things where the province would have to take a stand. The government of Canada, one of the recommendations, the government of Canada amend the eligibility criteria to include minors deemed to have the requisite decision-making capacity upon assessment. Assessment by who? Assessment by what criteria? Minors having the requisite decision-making capacity to, effect, in effect, kill themselves. I wonder yeah, whether they- there, there's no way that minors should have this type of top conversation with doctors without the parents knowing. Like, ah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that. Legs. Recommendation 17, the government restrict made for mature minors, those whose natural death is reasonably foreseeable. In other words, kids that are terminal. Okay. Recommendation 18, government work with the provinces, territories, and First Nations, etc., communities to establish standards for assessing the capacity of mature minors seeking mate. What? What? Yeah, that's a 
that's very you, you uh, already have a very a, serious thing to be talking. You already have about. a suicide epidemic on reserves in Manitoba. And now they want to have consultation. Ask kids, what do you think of this? And ask the communities, you know, how do you want to assess whether a kid is is recommendation nineteen? Since you mentioned parents, Kenny, the government of Canada established a requirement that where appropriate, the parents of guardians of a mature minor be consulted in the course of the assessment process. But the will of a minor was found to have requisite decision-making capacity ultimately takes priority. Yeah. Wow. You're so like you're so young and your life is just completely different from everyone else's. And your hormones are raging and uh, uh, something didn't work out. And you and you see that your family has to make do in life with less than other families. I'm just I'm thinking of some of these people that are are some of these minors that are terminally ill and they're on medications that are just so have such bizarre side effects, you know, like, uh, sorry, let me just finish what I was thinking. Like, how how do we know that? How do, how do we know that their thinking isn't impaired because of the drugs they're taking? You know, like that's a, this is a, a very serious issue that I, like these recommendations, I, I can see where they're coming from, but are not in the right. Uh, I don't think they're, they're being made for the right reasons. Here comes. We all know that everybody who doesn't live till old age saves the government lots of money. That's not the debatable point. They've done estimates. They show what the cost is for palliative care and other other costs and how they rise. This is, in my opinion, preconditioning the entire population, starting the younger generation, to be accepting of something that has been revolting to the foundation of our country, established religions, long established religions and religious beliefs. This has been revolting to those belief systems for millennia here's another case i said one person on twitter she said i have a disabled son autism who gets to make that call for him he doesn't have the mental capacity to decide that me the system the government needs to f and check itself here there's a couple of other proposals by the way uh correction services correction service correctional rather service canada support approved track one made recipients be able to die outside a prison setting only for the event itself and any immediate preparatory palliative care that is required. So if a prisoner is terminal, they should be allowed to end their own life in a setting outside of the jail. And that Health Canada, another recommendation number nine, uh, Health Canada review the special access program, other programs and policies, relevant laws, regulations, to determine whether there are ways to improve access to promising therapies. And then they list... um, hallucinogens so it's like hmm they should examine whether magic mushrooms should uh, be provided as therapy for research purposes and for individual use as part of palliative care supports i don't have a big opinion of that per se but it's they're they're wandering far off the beaten track with these things far off it I'll I'll vote for uh, Trudeau again if he legalizes uh, mushrooms. That's uh... might be headed that way. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, he's going to win me over. Oh. No, no uh, holding hands. Just yeah. legalize mushrooms, and then there, oh yeah, I'll be happy. 
Okay, I'll keep that. I'll keep we'll that. Be the in coolest, mind. We'll be the coolest country in North America. I don't know if there. I don't know if there's any countries where 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 that's legal. I, I've never thought. Well, of, I've Mexico, never considered that this would everything be possible. Is a little bit, right? Mexico, everything is a little bit legal, or <laughs> a little bit legal, right? Like no, they like you have just a little bit amount of anything. They don't care. Well, you could say that again. Uh, we we will. You see, that's an example. Just to conclude this segment of of how. Dougal Lamont says that what the liberals do have nothing to do with us until the liberals are doing something. And the provincial liberals are going to be asked, where do you stand on this? Where do you stand on kids being being consulted with about whether and how who's going to decide whether a kid is mature enough under the age of 18? Don't we keep hearing how their brains aren't mature? Uh, mature. They aren't brains aren't developed till they're 25. Yeah, something like that. But now they want to decide, figure out a way where maybe a kid who's 12 or 14 can decide that the plug should be pulled. What? Yeah, that that's the that's the serious thing, right? It, and that's going to come up in the provincial election, guaranteed. 100%. 100%. Along with other federal issues. Uh so it's not just a post carbon tax, a favorite carbon tax, all this other uh, this other stuff that that is important, vitally important in terms of economics, jobs, growth, affordability, but literal life and death issues are going to be discussed, including healthcare. You know, there's like I saw a post of a woman who's a father uh, had a heart attack the other night, went to the hospital. They took him to St. B. They said it's going to be a while. Fifteen hours. Fifteen hours. Were they allowed to, like, leave and come back? No, they I think they, they had were to stay there for 15 hours. It, here's the direct quote in the waiting room. He sat capital letters. He had heart issues, says in the waiting room. He sat and no one checked on him. Gonna have to stock up on snacks if you're going to be waiting that long. Went by ambulance. Went by ambulance. Fifteen hours. So we can see there's things that are not being have not been fixed by the Tories. Things that uh, people are gonna have to decide if they trust anybody else that they're gonna fix it or not. Uh, uh, and as I mentioned, these federal issues as well coming up on the horizon. And this is again uh, why we want to cover the provincial election. Again, you're not going to hear any real discussion about this this kind of stuff anywhere else in the mainstream media. No ribbons to cut, right? No, no, no cause to pat on the back. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're here and we talk about, you know, really issues that are life and death to businesses, life and death to people, life and death to our community and the welfare of our community. And we're going to continue to cover that. Once again, with your support, back with the Crime Court's public safety update with more on the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. Do you have a comment, story tip, or want to advertise or support the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast? Email tgcts1 at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at TGCTS. You have the power. Back with the final segment of uh, the First uh, episode for April of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. Uh, and uh, so, uh, Marty, if you had to wait 15 hours in a hospital, what type of snacks are you eating? That's a, well, if you're allowed to eat with heart problems, you come in an ambulance. Um, you know, it could be that next week, the Easter special. Uh, let me, I'm going to get I'll move my way to the point about snacks. And I'll explain it this way. This past weekend, I was uh, on the road well, on the road for two of the three days. With Canadian Wrestling's Elite, we did a, a card in the first night in Morden, Manitoba. Uh, about 100 people there. Uh, Who did the dinosaurs show up? 
No, they stay in the museum. In the in the access center, they stay in the museum and they do not come down the hall and come in a come into the room that we're in. Um, uh, a star from WWE, a guy who once wrestled uh, The Rock on WrestleMania, uh, Eric Rowan, who was in the the Wyatt family. The 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 guy is so not just scary big, like he's up there, like easily six seven, and and he's like a po- basketball power forward who's like fast, like you can't believe. And so his ability in the ring, uh, flying around, he's not like a big plodding guy. The athleticism was just remarkable. He's uh, known as Redbeard nowadays on the so-called indie scene. Uh, provided a lot of helpful advice to many of the young wrestlers in CWE. Uh, Morden was great. In Winnipeg, we were at the Holy Eucharist Parish Center. We'll be back there on June the 9th. Um, and that event was, uh, uh, again, a full house. And we were glad to see it. A lot of families, a lot of kids, man, loud kids, Gladstone, Winnipeg, and then the uh, more than Winnipeg and then Gladstone on Saturday night. And on Friday night, um, one of the wrestlers, he does vlogs and he does videos about behind the scenes and stuff. And 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 it's it's lighthearted generally. And there'll be some match footage. And he's he's wrestled in, in Japan and Mexico. So he has friends all over. So he tries to like cater to his broader audience a little bit. And Rob Stardom said, what kind of snacks do you have like for the show? Because we've had sandwiches. We've talked about the different sandwiches, you know, eating on the road and trying not to spend all your money you know, on, on food on the road. And I said, well, actually I didn't bring any snacks. They just brought the sandwiches, but I'll tell you what, I'll bring snacks tomorrow. And so I did actually bring snacks to Gladstone and we did a segment on YouTube. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering, Kenny, if we can, maybe we'll play the audio because he's created a new segment called Marty snacks with a song and everything. <laughs> and so maybe we'll do that next week, but what kind of snacks would I bring to uh, probably the snacks that I, brought the gladstone actually so let's let's save that for next week all right all right but you probably that's have fair. to bring more than two snacks to 15 hours in a waiting room my god that's like three meals you have to have three meals and no Maybe place you... more sa- no place more sanitary to have a meal than a waiting room of exactly. an emergency ward yeah yeah and they're so tasty and they care about the flavor for the food at the hospitals you know yeah, yeah. luckily there. i don't remember ever I think I did have to go to the hospital after wrestling. I certainly went with with wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, I've gone to the hospital with wrestlers and with bouncers. <laughs> uh, certainly, but I don't. I I don't remember. No, I did. I did one time. I did one time. I think it was precautionary more than anything else. Uh, and I didn't take any snacks. That was to my detriment. When you look at the price of a chocolate bar and a vending machine in a hospital nowadays. Um, uh, just before I forget, if you if you would like a fundraising event, CWE Action, then email me, MartyGoldLive at gmail.com. We'll get it set up. Uh, next uh, tour of Manitoba, I think, is going to be in June. We're going to be in – I'll be going to Thunder Bay for the first time uh, for Friday, April 21st. And Rowan will be on that tour as well. And I'm expecting to go back to Saskatchewan in May. I think Alberta is in June. I don't know if I'm going to be booked on those. But certainly the Manitoba shots, as many as I can, I try to – Go, uh, get on. I know we're going to be going to River. So if you think that the excitement of uh, professionally produced, professionally performed, family-friendly professional wrestling, so it'll benefit your community, your organization, your fundraising efforts, get a hold of me. We'll set that up, and uh, we'll uh, we'll do our best to do what we did. And again, in Morden, Gladstone, man, were those people happy? And were they ever loud? Boy, were they ever loud! Uh, and uh, Winnipeg, the Winnipeg crowd, as I mentioned, was. Uh, 
tremendous uh, and a wide variety. A lot of a lot of talent. Uh, there's talent that comes in from other places uh, that uh, are helping to expand the repertoire of the wrestlers that are uh, based out of Winnipeg, out of the the local area. So uh, there's your plug for CWE Wrestling. Now, is there? Sorry, is there more like this weekend was WrestleMania and I yeah. know it's two different things, but is there more excitement when like big stuff like yeah. that was happening this, for you guys? Yes, the WrestleMania and, and and according to the news report I read, Vince McMahon will approve the sale of WWE uh, to uh, the parent company to Endeavor, which is the parent company of UFC. So strangely enough, UFC, which only got established really because it got on TV as a uh, uh, with with uh WWF as a lead in on Spike TV and was able to establish um, was able to establish itself that way and become mainstream. It grew so big that it is now going to buy WWE. That's that's incredible. Just uh, incredible. I, the, the think the valuation don't quote me. I think the valuation for UFC was like the, that company because there's other things under the umbrella of Endeavor. Yeah. Uh, was twelve over twelve billion dollars, and for WWE the valuation I think if I'm reading what I read correctly came in at nine nine billion. So when somebody well, says, "Hey, is WWE worried about AEW?" Eh, not anymore. <laughs> they get their money and they're out. UFC is such a phenomenon that even during the pandemic they they built an island to fight on to fulfill yeah. their contract with Disney. Like they 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 are crazy, but they kind of know what they're doing. <laughs> Just like Vince McMahon, apparently. Yeah, well. Ne- you never said it, mind. Not me. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, so in my day, some guys wanted to go, what we call New York, wanted to go there, and some of us never had an interest in it. And I was, there's a number of us that, because of the, what we knew about politics, uh, the, about wrestling politics, what we knew about the way business was done and other things. Um, we preferred traveling to other places rather than, you know, driving ourselves crazy trying to figure out how to please. Please, people in the New York office and uh, and get booked there. But uh, the more the merrier. I mean, it's good for everybody. It's there. And it's all, it, but what, what you mentioned, WrestleMania weekend, WrestleCon was in Los Angeles. So many of my friends went there and met, saw all sorts of wrestlers that I've been on tour with in the past. Greg the Hammer Valentine, Jake Roberts, a few that I haven't been on tour with. Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, for instance. Uh, Conan, uh, all sorts of, of wrestling stars uh, that, that I'm personally... Uh, no, I've worked with and friends with, and it picks up the business for everybody. And so right now, across Western Canada, wrestling is by and large, if it's a good promotion, um, uh, some are, do, are, are, sell, are are filling houses with, with smoke and mirrors. Some are doing it with a really good wrestling product that appeals to a, to a more broad, uh, broader mainstream audience. Uh, but the business is, is building right now. It goes through peaks and valleys, and uh, we'll see who survives the next valley, I guess, is, what's going to happen, but WrestleMania season is very good. Look, um, uh, I think that the fact it was WrestleMania season helped CWE, uh, you know, because there's all this talk about wrestling and John Cena and Austin Theory and the, and, 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 uh, and the, the, the tag titles and the women have the women's uh, SmackDown championship being the main event of the first night. So it oh, creates yeah. buzz. It creates excitement. And, and again, Ar- 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 Rowan had, had been a WrestleMania uh, featured performer at one point, so people like people came out to see this guy, and it's hard to know who they will or won't. He's not an old time legend. He's not like from the Hulk Hogan era or, or, or the, even the Ultimate Warrior era, uh, but he he was on TV for a number of years, and he, I mean you can't miss a guy who's six seven with a big red beard like that. Can't no, miss super super recognizable, eh? Boy, does he ever stand out. 
Brian Jewell said he thinks he's the tallest wrestler that we've worked with. Brian came out of retirement, basically, and did a tag match on that show. And Brian said he thinks he's the tallest wrestler we've worked with in 40 years since the uh, the amazing Zulu, the inordinately controversial and not very athletically apt Ron Pope. There's a whole other story. Uh, and, like, that's how rare it is to be around a guy who's that big. And he wow. told me that there's – he was, uh, you know, the – a lot of wrestlers get built certain heights. He said he was personally, indeed, one of the tallest guys. Almost nobody was his height in WWE when he was there. That's incredible. That's way up there. Yeah. Crime Courts, public safety update here <laughs> on the Great Canadian Talk Show. <clears throat> there was a homicide that you didn't hear a lot of background on that I'm going to be providing, where an arrest was made in the death of a 23-year-old woman named Star Alicia Thomas. She was found dead in an apartment on Sargent Avenue on January the 3rd in the 700 blocks. That's around Toronto. And in March, a 26-year-old male was arrested and charged. The accused is named Joey Robertson Lecoy, L-E-C-O-Y. Police saying that Lecoy, Lecoy? Lecoy, I think. And Thomas were, as they put it, previously known to each other. He was charged with second-degree murder, possession of a firearm, Restricted prohibited weapon or ammunition, contrary to prohibition orders times five. Now, she was the victim was known to police and to the public, but not for reasons you might think when you hear that statement. She had in 2017 been missing for six weeks. Last seen in the West End on June 16th of 2017, and then was found six weeks later. The accused, <clears throat> Mr. LaCoy, was also known, if not to police, although he I actually come to think of it was known to police in the courts because the prohibition orders times five. He was known to the child welfare authorities very well. The Manitoba advocate in a report in 2014 ran a graphic. Um, I don't know how to describe it. It's 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 a uh, you'll see. It, I don't know. We'll do a video of this, but it, it's a graphic of a poem that he wrote. This Joey LaCoy wrote about being placed in CFS at the age of three to remain a permanent ward until 18. Who was my dad? This guy's whole life story was laid out. I think he was 17 at the time. If you do the math, my words tell a story, but my scars tell it better. I'd write verses about caskets and hearses. They were my dark times. When I still felt gangster, I embraced this, embraced it. I started rapping for kicks. I saw the most beautiful girl. We finally spoke. I told her uh, she told my life story as her own. She grew up alone. We clicked his homies and hang out in the hood. And then on Valentine's Day, he got Dear John, half written with no effort at all. It said, Joey, I'm sorry. I've waited too long. I'm moving on. I'll always love you. Keep your head on. Stay strong. Who sends a letter like that on Valentine's Day? I'm trying to change. How the hell did I survive? I'm working on leaving the gang behind. I'm 17 now. I don't know what happened to D. That was her name of this girl that gave him the dear John. So you see that this kid, very difficult upbringing, circumstances not a, not his own. Uh, D. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, D is not the girl. He's talking about D is somebody else he talked about where he was white in a brown home. So the first part was he was where he talked about a, a guy. A friend of his who was the same thing, I guess, in foster care. I don't know. Moved around. 
So you see this displacement. And then a girl broke his heart. And then he wonders what happened to his old buddy. I'm creating a new life. I no longer feel alone. And I write a new poem. And then there was another poem in the Manitoba Advocate newsletter called the changing, uh, the newsletter itself called the changing face of youth suicide in Manitoba is a report. Sorry. It was a report they put out. And the second page, you know, you have the cover page. Then the next thing is this poem by Joey Lacoy. Huh. Interesting. Very bizarre. Now charged with murder of a girl that he was well acquainted with and clearly involvement with firearms, substantial involvement with firearms uh, for over a period of a new year of a number of years after he turned 17. Meanwhile, in March, police uh, uh, began investigations, they put it, involving a wanted male in the city's north end. On March 27th, they saw him get into the rear seat of a taxi in the corner block of Duffer, and they stopped the car at Salter and Aberdeen. He tried to hotfoot it. Uh, they managed to grab him <clears throat> in the taxi. It says it's funny. It says within the vehicle, recovered within the vehicle, meaning in the taxi. He had a sawed-off 12-gauge double-barrel shotgun with a crossman scope. George Sebastian Paul, 29, charged with a zillion things, including possession of a firearm prohibited weapon contrary to Prohibition Order Times 2, failed to comply with condition of release Order Times 2, Canada-wide warrant of apprehension for parole statutory release. See how thrilling driving cab was? People like that would get in the cab. Yeah, super exciting. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, another case I want to mention, uh, I want to mention was uh, the more photos and video were released of a suspect and assault of a woman outside the law courts. I, we missed that one because uh, we missed it because of our deadline a few Sundays ago. And this woman w- walked uh, up Kennedy to the law courts, was grabbed by some creepazoid. She this happened at 6 a.m. And the police oh, wow. apparently it did, didn't attend till seven. I don't know if that's because a shift change or what, but if there's a They're right s- down the street, I know that there's makes also sense. The, there's also a prison right across the street from there. there you're saying no guards could have walked out to help she out. She gets, she gets, she works the law court. She gets traumatized. The cops don't show up for an hour. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, you hear it like. A couple of weeks ago, we heard that story about the cadets stopping the guy or a woman speeding on the bus. Yes. And I was like, that's a great, that, that's great initiative, right? Right. We have to take this attitude that everything's a serious crime now, right? In order to start pushing back on it. And then you hear stories like this where people are assaulted downtown, 6 a.m., right in front of the court office. Like, there, there should have been some help there right away. Uh, well reconcile how it could have taken that time because I don't know what they would have presumably the call was made fairly immediately right I don't know if they would have waited till like a quarter or seven oh we better call the cops and maybe they did have that kind of a discussion I'm not trying to diminish the victim of this assault in any in any way but it doesn't make sense (laughs) assault to happen downtown on like a Monday morning or whatever that's that's this wasn't like a Friday like a Saturday morning and there you know there's been five shootings or something in front of government buildings. There's nothing but government buildings right there. Uh, at 7 a.m. Yeah. On a Monday. The security guards are there all the time, Marty. Well, I I don't I don't get it. I got to tell you. But again, as you said, there should have been an immediate response. And, and the response 
was less than immediate. And if people walking to the courthouse aren't safe, then who the hell else is going to be safe in this city? Like, that's, that's a serious sign. And, yeah. and we do have to start talking about taking the crimes that are occurring more seriously. Um, and, and, and it's also because of the trial. It doesn't have to be a, a, you know, a sexual assault or a physical assault. Here's an example from this past week. I didn't catch which day it was. I think it was like Tuesday morning. Our vehicle was stolen right off our driveway on St. Joseph Street. That's in St. Boniface in the north, uh, north of Provence, Old St. Boniface. Between mm-hmm. 8 a.m. and 8.15, shock what could have happened since it was stolen after my daughter had just left for work, quite rattled. <laughs> Wowzers. Yeah. Speaking of St. Boniface and stolen cars, while we're on a roll, when we were on Kick FM, we invented a term and we use it frequently in our interviews with Kelly Den, who was a, the uh, police reporter for CKY for CTV and is now working in communications with the police department. And we reference this term with all sorts of politicians, all sorts of public figures, all sorts of people working in the community. The level five, level four car thief, right? And a level yeah. five car thief was somebody who, who stole a car and tried and, and rammed the cop car, tried to kill a cop. Well, we have return of the level five. Welcome to Winnipeg. On March 31st at eight in the evening, a car was spotted around River and Osborne with no rear license plate and the front plate hanging. The vehicle matched the description of one stolen on March 16th. So this car had been missing for 15 days from the 100 block of Marion Street. How about that? So you have the stolen car on. St. Joseph, the stolen car in Marion. I know that there was another one that I read. Somebody had the mother was went to a medical appointment. Their car was stolen right off the street, broad daylight. And that car uh, had been spotted. This one the cops start, saw around 830, saw it had been spotted around the, the Logan, what they call the Logan CPR area. The sedan began driving recklessly and fled, drove the wrong way down Sherbrooke. Three uh. went down Wellington Crescent. So now the rich people get to see the fun and games. Three occupants tried to bail near Academy Road. And that's the word, by the way, that is used in the police press release. Attempted to bail near Academy Road. So what, they the, got stuck or <laughs> in the car? Or? They were contained they, by responding units. The oh, driver okay, of the stolen sedan subsequently rammed the marked police vehicle and took off, nearly striking an officer. Golly. Ooh, the Daily Double. At 8.41 p.m. The stolen sedan was reacquired on Grant Avenue. Now, here's another. What a strange word. Reacquired? What? Wait, did they find, they mean they find it again or they stole it they, again? They, it, it can't mean they. How? 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 You see, what's weird is. So they, they pinned it, but I, they almost hit a police officer sense. and drove they away tried, and they, they found tried it again. They to bail. I guess the driver tried to get out of the car, got back in the car, hit the cop car, almost hit the officer. And then they used the term reacquired, meaning spotted again or, or, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't get that word on Grant. Okay. Now they get air one in the air. They put down stop sticks. The tires, tires begin to deflate. The driver refused to stop and continue driving as the tires began to disintegrate. What were you saying earlier in the program, Kenny? Both tires. Oh, they're a great thing to have. Yeah, you don't, the, you don't need them to off. drive. You don't need them to drive, especially if it's not your car. You don't need to pay for those for those wheel wells. You could drive all the way to the tuxedo industrial area and ram two marked police office uh, uh, two marked police vehicles. Let me try that again. You can drive on those 
disintegrated tires all the way to the Tuxedo Industrial Area and rammed two marked police vehicles. Finally, at 8.54, the stolen vehicle, which had sustained significant damage in the understatement of the year, <laughs> came to a stop near Sterling Lion Parkway in Keniston. The three occupants... Okay, so the three occupants were taken into custody all there. I missed that. I thought they, the occupants tried to bail. So they go, all got out of the car and got back in the car. <laughs> okay, now let's get to the fun and games. And you know what? Right now, live as we record, I, I did not run the name of one person, the driver, who was named in this, in this uh, uh, chase, wild chase. And I'm just running, I'm just going to run their name basically. Oh, well, if it's the same person, it is a kind of a unique, uniquest, unique-ish name. Huh. From Regina. No. I, 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 I mean, it might be the same person, but this is a person who's, uh, looks like a female with, with kids and just, Ah, boy. And their Facebook page isn't very up-to-date, so I don't want to go any deeper in that. Anyways, Janelle Leanne Ponas, P-O-N-A-C-E, Ponace, 36, charged with assault, a peace officer with a weapon times four. In other words, level five. Theft of a motor vehicle, dangerous operation of conveyance, flight while pursued by peace officer, also processed on an outstanding arrest warrant. Now we know why she took off. Now, what's the arrest warrant? Robbery. Mischief under 5,000, obstruct and obstruct enjoyment, that's a stolen car. Possession of a weapon, and you ready, Kenny? Fail yep. to comply with condition of a release order. Now, who else was charged? A 36-year-old female was charged with possession of property obtained by crime. So they're charged for the stolen car as well mm -hmm. and released on an undertaking. But they weren't driving, so they aren't charged with any of this other stuff and evidently had no priors. And the Good third for them. Person, Good for the them. Third, yes, the third person charged. A 17-year-old female from Winnipeg also processed not just the crime over, the car theft. Two outstanding arrest warrants for fail to comply with sentence, fail to attend court release order. It sounds three like women, they're not listening, Marty. No, three women, two with extensive experience with the courts, one a juvenile, rammed four cop cars. That costs each and every one of you taxpayers. Endanger the lives of all those cops. As one commenter on our Facebook, uh, our Facebook group on our page said, nice to see women breaking the glass ceiling. <laughs> and another person responded, yes, I'm sure they didn't mean to do it. They just made a mistake. Oh, that Facebook chat is so funny. Join our Facebook group and you can take part in it. Uh, something else is we talk, we, you know, level five, something we, we talked about. You know, in the old days, we didn't really talk. We talked about bus service, but not about how dangerous buses were. Now, here's your April here's your April Fool's Day, not a joke. Be careful on bus number 20 downtown at the airport. This is Saturday, I think, during the early evening. And, uh, Kenny, we're going to try to play the uh, audio yep, yep. Uh, we'll of that. It. Yep. Listen to this. Here, we'll do it this way. Listen to this. Comes uh, audio recorded by a bystander as police intervene with a bus on Saturday evening. This bus 20. Not too often you hear that. 
No. But did we not have talk about Brass Knuckles like two or three episodes ago? Yeah, I think we did. Absolutely, we did. So Brass Knuckles are right up there with machetes now. Hey. <laughs> the things you can take out of us. Well, you can have machetes, two machetes, two brass knuckles, and also have a couple of bottles of uh, bear spray on your so, belt there. Sure. So be careful on the bus number 20 downtown that person posted on, uh, on their uh, in a Facebook group. Golly. Police are looking for someone brass knuckles. Someone got attacked inside the bus. So I guess somebody got attacked with, in another bus and they perp ran onto a 20. I don't know. Now, this brings to mind in terms of what's gone wrong here. You have all these people that, are, listen, only an experienced thug is going to have brass knuckles, okay? It's just not something you pick up on a lark, okay? <laughs> no, 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 you don't pick them up at Zeller's while you're buying vegetables and shirts. We can go to Zeller's St. Patel and see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wowzers. I hearken to the a saying, uh, a comment by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the Russian the great Russian author and dissident back in the USSR days. Your punishment for having a knife when they searched you would be very different from the thief's. For him to have a knife was mere misbehavior, tradition. He didn't know any better. But for you to have one was terrorism. What did Canadians just get reminded of? Canadians, Winnipeggers? What did the cops say a few weeks ago? No bear spray. No bear spray. Don't defend yourself. No machetes. <clears throat> Tristan Hopper, who we quote occasionally here, National Post columnist, uh, lives in Victoria. I think he was living was in Calgary or Edmonton previously. What Canadian crime experts, he tweeted this weekend, what Canadian crime quote unquote experts don't seem to realize that even if you have perfectly fixed poverty and inequality, you're still going to have a bunch of people who just like raping people and stealing stuff. Taking people's possessions and bodies without permission is always going to be attractive to a subset of the human population, regardless of culture or economics. Something to think about. With a provincial election rolling around and the positions of the parties. And where does uh, where does the pendulum swing? Because Winnipeggers are fed up. Winnipeggers feel marginalized and harassed, the peace-loving, the law-abiding, people who pay for the bus go on and see a bunch of goons get on buses, discharge bear spray, spit on people, threaten people, uh, uh, mug people at the bus stops, threaten drivers, abuse drivers, assault drivers. But they still pay their bus fare, clearly. Okay, that's it from us for this episode of the Great Canadian Talk Show. Again, I'm I'm imploring all of you, if you're finding these podcasts a benefit, if you're recognizing that we're doing something here that no newsroom is going to do. We're talking about things in ways that it just does not fit the narrative anymore. We're here for you. We're here for your family, for your safety, for your business, for your safety, for your security. We're here to hold the media accountable, certainly, but more importantly, the elected officials, the politicians, and we call out judges when they deserve it. We call out the, fed, the provincial government, the federal government. There are no sacred cows here. When it comes to public safety, we built our reputation on KKFM with the Great Canadian Talk Show. Because of the, these reports, we're going to be expanding them with the new website, and uh, that is why if you're finding this of value, first of all, share it with people that share your concerns. Tell them to take a listen. In this case, it would be segment three of this episode. And please, 
it's not like you're going to take me out for a beer. I don't drink. You're not taking me out for coffee. I'm not really good at that kind of stuff. doesn't matter if it's a thousand bucks or 10 bucks. When we get your donations, that keeps us on the street, on the road, on the computer doing research, and it keeps us, in effect, on the air. We know that we're in a position to make waves in the provincial election. We know that we did, I mean, we heard that we did really good work, good things with the civic election, getting ourselves back in shape, so to speak, back in ring shape, so to speak, to be able to do this kind of independent journalism. No Trudeau here. And so if you'd like to look at long-term support, uh, as well as, you know, one-time donations, support can come in various forms. Please join us, join with Midpoint Auto, in showing that you believe that the work that's being done here on the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast and the other programming that we're going to be adding, that this is important to the community, it's important to civil discourse, it's important to Winnipeg and to Manitoba, and in fact, it's important to have a voice like this in the middle of the Canadian prairies to Canada. By all means, check out uh, whether it's on Anchor, uh, Anchor.fm. You can check out previous uh, episodes of our podcasts. Uh, the the most recent ones are with a with a rocket strapped to, to them going to the top of our of our play charts. The YouTube videos, TGCTS is the YouTube uh, video location. Uh, you go to YouTube, look up TGCTS, and you'll see the Great Canadian Talk Show excerpts as well as the a few of the full podcasts with video illustrations. Uh, we know that it's certainly helped in St. Boniface for b- businesses and, and people here to be able to see the proposals of the moving on Marion that were kept from the businesses. No wonder when you see it, no wonder they didn't want the business to know how they're going to screw around with their businesses, their streets, their livelihoods, because, oh, bikes. Without being able to substantiate how many cyclists would actually use it and what would the detrimental effect be to the loss of business, the loss of commerce, the loss of customers, and the loss of locally owned jobs that aren't government subsidized offices. We're here to provide that balance. We're here to provide that voice. And in fact, you'll all go away this week remembering that this episode proves as we're going to prove next week when we talk with the biz, the Nordgro biz, and other people. This is the best proof that in Winnipeg, when it comes to civic affairs, you have the power. Thanks for listening to The Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to tgcts1 at gmail.com or follow him on Twitter at TGCTS. I